take two. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is that your neck or your shoulder? Oh jeez. I never heard a shoulder crack like that before. <laughs> I I can just like and then and then I do with a little bit of and then some of the Now that my crew is completely broken, we can start. <laughs> <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> Wake up, call to the world. No. Hey everybody, welcome to another Retro Game Night. I am Player One and my name is Damien. As always, I am joined by my trusty companions. Player Two, that guy there is Kyle. Woo! Woo! And we'll skip over to Player Four, Benjamin. <laughs> and we are here to chat everything all about things in retro gaming and sometimes, sometimes we sneak in some new stuff too. What's going on? Not much. Just been playing the game that we're going to be talking about today and... I forgot how long this thing is. <laughs> it is pretty long. I, w- I wasn't actually able to beat it again. Another one that I wasn't able to beat. Hmm. Because well, it, of... it wasn't it wasn't that I, I couldn't beat it per se. It was just more of I just didn't have the time to beat oh, it. Oh, okay. Do you feel That's... that now now the game has different meaning as an adult playing it versus when you were a kid? Because it seems to me when I tried playing it again, it was that much more, uh, like you said, like longer. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing it as a kid, you are able to hit those save points, and then you kind of turn it off, because then you're like, okay, well, i got to go to school, or i got to finish out whatever, and then you get back to it, it just doesn't seem like it took as long. But when you try to sit down and you remember things a little bit better as an adult, you kind of makes it feel like it takes a little longer for some reason. Hmm. We are, of course, talking about the game Super Metroid for Super Nintendo. The best game ever. Yeah, it actually has been stated as one of the greatest games of all time. Oh, and yeah. There's a lot of reason why uh, we can get into why that is, uh, that people say that. I um, am a big fan of the Metroidvania style, which is a genre that was spawned from Metroid and Castlevania, which are both side-scrolling. Um, we were living in an age with games that were not so much exploration unless you were in an RPG. But with that kind of a game, it was nice that you didn't have to do a lot of chit-chat with people. It was more just... Non-linear. You know, yeah, non-linear, and you were able to just go explore and find items. And uh, I used to get a big kick out of finding the hidden ones. I mean, when you found the hidden item, it was like, wow, if I didn't shoot this particular column or block, I would never have found this. Or you get to an area where um, you're like, how do I get in there? I can see there's clearly an energy tank up here, but I can't get up there. I don't have, <laughs> you know, whatever weapon x or whatever yeah i don't have uh um anything and then later on you're like oh so there's a little grapple point there and now i have the grapple now i can go there the beautiful thing i love about metroid um with the exception of the first and second one is that we had a map and that map laid out everything you needed to know um if you got to in this particular game a computer room where you could upload 
the the map to be uh, uploaded and so you could see where everything is laid out mm -hmm. that's of course not revealing the hidden areas that you could bomb and go through or shoot and go through yeah there's um, still secret areas secret areas yeah and if you didn't have the map uh and if you pulled up the map you would see just as far as you've been traveling um, in, in, I guess, real time. Um, and in the specific rooms, too. In specific rooms, yeah. It was laid out in little grids of uh, little blocks each, and if you're able to jump higher, like in the main area where you land in the ship, that actually goes up a lot more, but yeah. you don't mm -hmm. jump so high, so you know that there's no roof there, but you can't see what's what's way up there. It's... Yeah, that map is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, you'd have uh, pink or red, I think it's pink-ish, where you actually have gone through, and then you have blue representing places you haven't yet Correct. gone through, but it was there to show you that it exists, that particular room or, or tunnel or area. Um, Super Metroid came out March 19th, 1994 in Japan, North America, April 18th, 1994, and the PAL version in Europe, uh, July 28th, 1994. They call it an officially in the genre back then of action adventure, um, whereas now we would just call it a Metroidvania game. Or Castle Royd, but I never cared for that. <laughs> People call it that? Castle Royd, yeah, for a while. Huh, never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> is it still kind of popular online, or is it not? Nah, it. I haven't heard that term in several years now. Huh? So I think Metroidvania has finally been accepted. You know what's really stupid? We've been talking about the games for a long time now. We, and I always hear uh, Metroidvania. And I never actually put it together because I never played Castlevania games. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was a combination of the two words. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> the thing. If when you, you knew first, it. When yeah. you were first talking about it, that's why I... Because I, I don't know if you heard it over the mic, but I actually literally facepalmed while you were talking. Because you, were talk, you said Metroid and Castlevania. And then, I, then you said that, and I was just like... Wow, I feel like an idiot now. It's okay, because, yeah, you wouldn't know unless you knew some sort of knowledge yeah, I of Castlevania. Never, I never played the Castlevania games. They mentioned um, in my research that Super Metroid, along with Castlevania Symphony of the Night, mm -hmm. which was released in 1997, is credited for establishing the Metroidvania subgenre. Yeah, pretty much all the Castlevanias from there on had the Metroid formula. Okay. So, yeah, at that point, that's where all, the whole Metroidvania thing comes from. I uh, appreciated a lot in the game. The The introduction was very, mm, I guess, movie-ish in the sense that the tone was very um, cinematic and you had the intro showing Samus having a past memory that she's relating to you in a narrative of the first time she went to eradicate the Metroid where she went and, and Mother Brain. And then you mm -hmm. had the second part of that was the second story of the second game on how that mission went and then how that the the larva i think it's larva right went went and attached to her and uh and then she and mm -hmm. then it followed her yeah. back for research and they showed kind of like what happened after that which we didn't see after metroid 2's ending but she took it back they did research on it and then now they're back again uh as she receives a distress call shortly following the events that ended with metroid 2 she actually gets the distress call from the colony where she left the Metroid at. And that's right. what we start with Super Metroid is her going back to that uh, ship where that where that's at. And it's empty and we have no idea where everybody is until the very end when we get to where Ridley is with the Metroid. And you see like a body with some type of weird creatures or insects or whatever it is, space goop 
on him. And because, you know, when you pass by him, they all kind of clutter. They all kind of scamper mm. away. Remember? And then you go in to do the fight. And I actually didn't realize that that fight, it's only about a um, how much life you have left. Yeah, like, been watching... you, like you technically can't die in that part. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was watching speedruns of this game too just because it just it so fascinates me with these older games how how streamlined people can get these games to the point of knowing what color door is coming up and what they need to do to be able to get it and the different actions you're able to do to do little shortcuts to get through it. Right. So when I was watching this, I've always thought it was just like how much damage you could try to do and you had to fight for a certain amount of time or something but no it was just you get down to 24 life you still you get into critical and then he flies away and then you have to escape i didn't know that i always tried to fight as hard as i could at that right. point yeah now i feel like an idiot for doing that i'll never forget there was one part uh and i remember this very vividly i want to say this was maybe a I was a teenager when i played it again one of the many mm -hmm. other times and there was a part where i think the game glitched without me trying i was shooting at uh ridley the big uh, monster and the part of the beginning is that it swoops down to grab, of course, the larva in case, and then you're shooting mm -hmm. Ridley while it's still holding onto it. At one point, I, I shot Ridley somehow that it actually dropped the larva. What? And it went back down again to grab it. It was just, I'll never forget that. It was like some weird glitch that happened in the game, and I'm like, well, that's funny. And it just, I don't think it, I've it, ever it, seen him drop it. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. think so. It, it, no, and I tried ever since to do it again. I don't know what it was. It, it definitely was some sort of weird glitch, though, and the game still made up for it. It still continued down to grab it. it. <laughs> yeah, and it was like a really quick grab, too. It just went down and whoop. So it's just funny. Uh, and then that'd be interesting to see if I could either find a video of that happening on yeah. YouTube or just trying it again myself to see if, it, if you yeah. can find it, because that's really interesting. Yeah, it was weird. And I don't know how that, if that's. Uh, something to the game that's maybe just a, like a funny thing they did or if it really was a glitch but so after that the uh planet blows up uh the station the I station should say, yeah not the planet and uh we are left with her arriving um to following ridley going following down. ridley right and i don't remember the planet she goes to was it um zebes no zebes planet zebes or zebes i think it might be zebes holy zebes i always called it zebes <laughs> <laughs> So, um, tell me some of your guys' memories of the game. Playing it and uh, getting through, getting to the middle of the game, and then uh, getting further along, and then eventually get to the the end final boss, and then you beat it. <laughs> that's a great that's my synopsis. That's a real of synopsis of. Uh, good night, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. Well, um, I'll, I'll start it off. I I've I've had great memories of the game. The um, I even remember when I was playing it younger that I had dreams with it um, at night. And it was just—it wasn't creepy. It was just very. Um, the the story is very environment driven, uh, of course, where you're at in each stage. And I remember kind of imagining those things, uh, and then I guess it just played in my dreams. But I, it so was kind of cool. So let me ask you that: Did you know at that point when you were having the dreams that Stamus or that it was actually a girl in the suit? Did you play I, the other games and I, you knew it was a girl, or did you not know that at the time? Oh, no, I didn't know. I could imagine you putting I, yourself I knew, in the suit. No, I, I, from what I remember in the dream, it was very, very vague, but it was just okay. Oh, you there. mean in the dream? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, in the dream, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, the, the first time I knew she was, uh, there was a woman in, in the suit was that game when I saw her. Uh, really? When, no. you, when you died, because I don't remember hearing about it before that. Um, with the first game you didn't no because you only see her as a as a female when she beat when yeah, she when beats beat mother brain so you never actually, game. but what about justin bailey you never ever typed that in that password no 
Mm-mm. You know what Justin Bailey is? Oh, is it just? Oh, it's the uh, underwear, color, uh, uh, right? Bikini, basically, the bikini or whatever. One piece, yeah. Um, which is interesting. One thing I learned recently is that that's not in the Japanese version. On the Famicom uh, disk system, uh, there was no password system for it, so it was just a save file. So there was no way to even put in a Justin yeah. Bailey. Yeah. Um, Fan service. Yeah. <laughs> That was nice in Metroid 2 that that save feature was finally a, a, a battery backup. You know, you're able to save it because, yeah, Metroid 1 with a password, and it was like something crazy, like 16, 20 digits, something crazy like that. It was a very long password. It kind of had to be with how complicated the game is in getting the upgrades and stuff that yeah. it had to be able to have a way to be able to identify what you have, what you don't have, what upgrades you have and stuff like that. That's true. Although yeah. I did re- I was went through a whole uh, history of the first Metroid, I think it was, and um, uh, one thing, apparently you can't even, like some of the spaces where the numbers and letters will go in are, it doesn't matter. Like they're there to, to kind of make it more complicated looking. Hmm. But you, it actually doesn't matter. You can get the same result by changing some of the, of the, uh, of the lines oh. to something completely different. Yeah, I never played Metroid One uh, all the way through in the original days. I yeah, neither did I, I. I played very little of it, but then I did do Zero Mission for mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance, of course, being the the same thing but, uh, remade. Yeah, um, and a little bit easier because doesn't it have like a better map system? Yeah, it's kind of like a little. Yeah. Is that the one that had the computer kind of telling you where to go and what you can no, go that's, do? No, that's that's Metroid Fusion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, this one was, uh, it, it looked just like Super Metroid, but for the Game Boy Advance, and it had oh, most okay. of the features that you had in Super Metroid, but better, I think. It got tweaked for, for the better, and I think that one came out early 2000s, something like that, and it, they had enough time to refine um, Super Metroid's like style. Mm-hmm. And what, what was really cool about the first Metroid game was just the limitations and, and uh, of the system, and it kind of gave Samus one of her iconic moves that she's able to do in the games that we see all over the place now which is the limitation of the system they couldn't figure out a way for samus to crawl to be able to get down low to be able to go through so they made her into a ball they gave her the the morphing ball power that's why she has that ball power and it's cool to see that they didn't they didn't go back to their original design of well let's ditch the ball and go back to her not having that ability and like doing crawling and crawl. shooting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that they kept that there. And it's actually an iconic move that she has now, even in Smash Brothers, where she's able yep. to do her bomb moves and stuff. And it's actually one of the ways that people can navigate through Super Metroid to be able to get to those different places mm-hmm. because she's able to do her bomb jumps and stuff, which is a very difficult trick to do. That is I'm such, a with unique, wall jumping. such a unique thing with Metroid is, is the, the morphing ball. Like, yeah. There is no other game that would get close to even that because it's obviously very Metroid, but... I think that that makes a great first power up that you get because it stands out. Like you're like, wow! Right. So I can go in every small corner, from, from tall the ball from everything. I can go, you know, climb stuff if I get, you know, the. I think Metroid Two had the the spider grip when mm-hmm. you were in the morph ball. I mean, it oh, had, it's all the way back to Metroid Two. Metroid Two. Yeah. I only remember those in Prime, and I was also I was going to mention that is because that, that's how much it stayed in it. That in yeah. the Prime games, you had the the spider rails. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't include it for Metroid, uh, Super Metroid, but yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe because it, they didn't it they want it, a different style like of exploration. Design, well, well, probably the yeah, the design of the levels just wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. is my guess. Because in Metroid Two for Game Boy, it was like you could stick, I think, to any wall. Oh, really? It wasn't just a rail. It wasn't system. just rail. Oh, Mm-mm. that's see, and I think maybe they might have changed that because in Super Metroid you get the high jump boots and you also get the space jumping. So they decided probably to do, or with this mission. 
give you a little bit different powers that gave you the same ability to do certain things or access higher places. Yeah, the space just jump. Just with, yeah. yeah, you get the space jump. The I think it was the one with the infinite spinning, right? And you were able to do that yeah. with the suit. Yeah. And then also even the high jump boots. Mm -hmm. So that's really, uh, that's kind of, see, this different Metroid stuff that I had never known about either. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, each one really had something uh, new to bring to it it was mm -hmm. great i mean there was always something innovative that they were working on with each metroid game that made you go wow that's a really cool feature of uh, upgrade or even even a room or environment that was a little bit different than the last right so going into the abilities and weapons um i could name them all but um <laughs> only because i'm trying to remember i don't think i will because i don't i don't know i might be getting mixed up with the other games but um, well, let, let you you read them off, or you try not read them off, but go off of your memory, and I can kind of. Well, we had this, the spacer, which yeah. was the three, the splitting of the, the three. splitting okay, of the yeah. three, and that um, didn't that also allow you to shoot through walls too? I think so. Yeah, I, when you had like the either ice that, one, was that maybe? or the wave? It was either that or the wave. Did, what, did it have both? I can't remember. Was it the wave and the spacer? Because wave does go through walls as well. You get the spacer first, and then I think the wave did because. That's when you get behind one of those gates with the blue button on the other side, and you have to use the, the wave beam to go through it to hit mm. it. The one really awesome thing, looking back, was the fact that you could charge up your shot, which you couldn't do in Metroid 2. Mm -hmm. Charge yeah, that was That was new and cool. Um, the fact that you could do that, I think that I, I held that charge all the time while running around and jumping just in case. Wasn't there something that you could do with a missile? Or what am I thinking about a different game where you could... Um, charge up your charge shot and then you use one of the missiles in each and it adds a different ability to a missile yeah there's or some weird in the prime game no no there is some weird stuff that i never really knew about until years and years later that you can do like with certain like power bombs and like i'm trying to remember what it is for well, instance well like, there's there's the if you hold the charge beam and you go into a ball okay you release like a, a lot whole, of and then there's other ones. A lot of bombs. There's other ones too. I I, did the, I never actually did them. There's some. I think there's some really complicated ones. Well, like, this game is all about exploration and trying to find different hidden blocks. Maybe blocks that disappear with mm -hmm. the bombs, or when you use those bombs, it actually identifies if there's a special type of block mm -hmm. that a different power would do, either your speed boots or. A super missile so that would actually be really good i mean you even get an x-ray beam in this game to be able to look around to see if there's any hidden oh that's things right around. Mm -hmm. that's right so the game is very much open world go wherever you want to go and massive exploration there's even people that can do this game in about 55 minutes or so being able to have it so optimized and running it it's insane yeah and actually the i think you do get different endings depending on how quickly you beat it Oh really? I don't. I'm not able to beat it very quickly, but <laughs> yeah, I get the basic ending. So let's talk about the music. Um, the music for Super Metroid was composed by Kenji Yamamoto. Uh, Yamamoto decided that the rich and expressive sounds, such as a female chorus, would be required to portray the setting realistically, which is what they were shooting for. They wanted realism, more of that. Um, you know, a uh, cinematic feel that the other mm -hmm. games were yeah. just kind of laying that foundation because they were already really cool. And, you know, they, I know that a lot of the inspiration came from uh, the alien movie series and that they took, they borrowed a little bit from that, but they kind of made it in a way better because they went it to a, to a route where it was more, more science fiction, more, um, you know, uh, industrial kind of uh, uh, futuristic uh, feel versus just, 
what those movies were were just about the aliens terrorizing them. But this felt more of a of a Samus story going on a mission to eradicate them instead of just terrifying you. It was more just story driven. Right. And it's also interesting that the Chozo that she's when she finds it on the planet that they have. It's almost like she grew up with them because her power ups are all from them and it's all, all made for her suit. So, do you know the story, Ben, about the the her growing up with the Chozo? You know, kinda. Am I, even I mean, saying I, that right? I, yeah, you <laughs> are. As far as the, I know, the chorizo. Yeah, the chorizo. Um, uh, Chocobo chorizo. Uh, yeah. Um, not not super well. I mean, I played through all the Prime games, and I think that's where a lot of the lore comes from for them. Uh, I mean, I know in the original game, I don't even know if there really was anything about the Chozo because I think in the manual it even said that she was an acrobat in the circus or something. I forget. Oh, really? That's where the whole ball thing comes from. <laughs> Giving her an then. excuse as to why. <laughs> but then that was also when they were like in the manual. I think they even said he was a guy. Like she was a guy. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, we talked about that one of the episodes where we read that in the uh, instruction manual and then maybe what they changed their mind while making the game and say, yeah, we'll make it a girl. <laughs> and I think I remember uh, fan art back in the day in EGM or GamePro or whatever, like of, of someone who had clearly beaten the game and gotten like at least the helmet removed in the first game from the mm-hmm. very first game, the helmet removed and saw the long hair. It was but it was a guy. That's in a suit with long hair. It's <laughs> Fabio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, before or after he had that goose hit him in the face. I can't remember. Oh. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, enough of that. Um, what other memories do you have? Uh, Kyle, you didn't really grow up with it, right? You said you played not, later. No, not this one. Not really. I do remember a little bit of trying out. I mean, remember the first area somewhat. But then I never was able to really know where to go, what to do, and I got lost, and I just didn't have the attention span to do a full exploration of everything, and then trying to remember where things were, having to go back to use certain powers where, and I just got really lost, so I wasn't able to really focus too much when I was younger. You're talking about Super Metroid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it didn't really appeal to like everybody. I can see that. I mean, just like any other... That's why we have so many genres of gaming. We have puzzles, we have action games, we have fighting games, so it just... You found it maybe appealing later as you got yeah. older. Yeah, I was more of Sonic. Yeah, I go right and I jump a lot and then I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where I was going with Sonic. <laughs> um, I remember buying Super Metroid uh, and it, this was the early years of the Super Nintendo. And that, that of course, feeling when I see the label or the uh, cartridge itself is that nostalgic, you know, dive in because it, you remember everything that you were doing during this time. And I remember, you know, being, uh, just a kid and being super excited for the super Nintendo. And it was so new and so, you know, cutting edge with graphics and, you know, jumping right off of the original NES and, you know, for me, so it was, is that feeling of like that new ish feeling, uh, and it kind of stayed with me ever since. So fresh, so So, clean, so fresh and so, so new, so clean. (laughs) Um, so going back to the music, um, the there's been a lot of remixes and a lot of um, songs that were put in in Smash Brothers, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's been other albums where they've done you know either rock metal versions or symphony orchestrated versions, um, and just like revisiting its original music and its original form for me is it, as I was playing it recently, I just thought, man, this really was ahead of its time as far as 
the kind of video game it was and, and the high quality and high, you know, density. Uh, it, it was really just like, there was so much work put into this and it's just so evident when you put it, you know, when you put the cartridge in and you just fire it up and it, it's just a time capsule for the nineties. Yeah. I think it was a $70 game. If I recall when it first came out, 70 or 80 bucks. Um, wow. I think I, I remember getting it at Toys R Us and I think I, I think I might've had some kind of gift card or something that, you know, maybe like twenty bucks or something. So I was all <laughs> that stoked. made it a normal price game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, some of those bigger cartridge. That's the thing with cartridges. They have the um, you know all the chips and everything, and they always go yeah. 70, 80, 90 bucks on some mm-hmm. of them. It was, yeah, it was frustrating for a kid. <laughs> um, so I, which one was your favorite track? Yeah, I was about to say I, my favorite definitely is. Um, I think it's called, well, it's the stage when you go into Brinstar, and I think it's like the, I think it, that's the one, yeah, and it had the bit of the chorus in the background. That's the one. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, whenever I hear that song, it's so mood setting, like, Mm -hmm. I just, it, it's, that's, to me, what felt so great about uh super metroid in particular because it was so each stage was so themed that it just captured your interest right away because it's mood and each one was you know i remember in norfair when you get into the fire area even the music sounds haunting and it's just and you see the level and it's all just (laughs) pure fire and like lava and it's it's amazing how they brought that to life yeah i was gonna say that was one of mine was uh was norfair Mm mm-hmm just getting into that, I was playing through it again for the podcast and going into that area. It's just like, it really dropped down low. The enemies that changed into it made you really feel like you were getting further into like closer to the core of the planet type of thing. And you're it was getting ominous. Yeah. Ominous really cool. was the word I was thinking of, <laughs> not haunting, but yeah, that definitely kind of a know. march. Like, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of, I don't know why, whenever I think of it, it, reminds me a little bit of the feeling you got in temple of doom like with that music the feel it, it doesn't sound anything like it we but i think it's just... going to die <laughs> <laughs> it just it kind of had that same like you said kyle ominous feeling with the music and it was very like yeah. just very brought to life in the video game do you have a favorite stage or song well you've ben? named a couple of them already um <laughs> trying to think of what what other ones trying to like mentally search the game in my head um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the one in Brinstar, I mean, that's always been one of my top, and the Norfair one. Uh, so right at the top of my head, those are the two. I wonder uh, if the reason, mentioned. I wonder if the reason for that is because it's like the first area that you go into and it's the first experience you have with the music in the Brinstar that it, that it completely changes into something that you weren't expecting. And so it's one of those stages that sticks with you. Yeah, I wonder if that's yeah. the reason why it's everybody's favorite, it seems like. Yeah, it, I, I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, it's the most impressionable right away. Because you right. get the beginning epic, and you're like, okay, video game, you sit. But when you get into that particular stage, the mood changes. And and I think every stage is a mood changer for because the game. It's mood, right. Yeah. Um, I'll say that, yeah, again, the game was very well praised. It was... Um, it, it received just pretty much just the best ratings you can find, um, mostly. On the uh, these are some of the publications that released their reviews um, back in back in 1994. EGM gave it a 36 out of 40. Gamespot 8.5 out of 10. IGN 9.5 out of 10. Nintendo Life 10 out of 10. 
Nintendo Power, uh, four. 4.4 out of 5. Game players, 97%. Super play, 92%. So Super Metroid was met with uh, so it's mainly crap. mainly critical acclaim all, all across <laughs> the board. You know, I think the people that probably think it's crap would be the people that, you know, they just don't favor that kind of video game. Right. It's a, you absolutely love it or you just hate it. They like Farmville or something. I don't know. <laughs> Farmville. That's retro. <laughs> I don't know anyone that still does Farmville. Or I heard someone mention it recently. So. Oh, maybe, Seriously? Maybe someone still wow. does it. <laughs> um, as far as then the the ending, uh, spoiler alerts, uh, I... Things happen. Things happen and people die. No. Um, <laughs> I, I think the ending was great. It was really just that, again, that, that very cinematic feeling of the end. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought maybe it might be the last one. Uh, once I beat it, uh, when I was younger, I thought, man, I hope they keep making these. Oh, yeah. It just felt like it wasn't going to continue for some reason. Yeah, just and you get that when the Metroid, uh, the big Metroid latches on to the, the mother brain T-Rex thing. Right. And then you're shooting, <laughs> and then, like, he, he or, like, see, what what was it? Yeah, he's killing you, and then, the, yeah, he yeah sucks that out and then gives you the, en- the energy, and then you have that, what's it, the hyper beam? I think it was called. Yes. Yeah, you had a special. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's very vivid in my memory. It's one of those things where you don't think Mother Brain is going to be coming back because you kind of take care of that in the first game. But then, and when Ridley's in there, he's taking the Metroid, he's like, okay, well, this is a giant dinosaur type creature. You're going to be able to, this is my, my main enemy here. So you beat him and you're like, all right, that's the game. Cool. And then Mother Brain comes back. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> and having the friend of the of the um, baby Metroid that matured throughout the entire run that you're going through it to then help you out with it. There's no dialogue in the game really, but yet you get, except for in the beginning and and the end when she's relating the stories to you, obviously, but to see those friendships or or those interactions with the different creatures and stuff with the, of the friends in the game, you, it's interesting how that dynamic works without any dialogue between the two, just mm-hmm. the actions of it. It's really unique. The last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is yeah. at peace. I bet you were waiting to say that. This whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> We've quoted that so much. Um, I had an article I was going to read uh, that I found really interesting. It was about the development team that went into uh, programming and making Super Metroid. There was a big crunch uh, on Super Metroid to pump it out at a certain point of date, um, a deadline that they were getting to. Um, Yamamoto said that it was really hard back then. We had a nap room with lots of futons lined up and staff members took turns sleeping. Sakamoto uh, recalls that the team were often so dazed and absorbed they forgot about sleep and it became a distant memory. And, uh, and I quote, he said, sometimes we didn't know when we had last slept. So Jeez. they put a lot of work on this. Sakamoto also shared a little um, of a tidbit of a whimsy. On Christmas night, he says that uh, we were, of course, working. And when Sakamoto and I ate a late meal, we saw people having a good time on the TV. Uh, and he said it was they were watching the news. We wondered why we couldn't do that, too, because they said that Yamamoto got angry at the television and that he was angry at the people on the news who were taking ski trips at the end of the year, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> so they must have really been uh, in, behind closed doors for a while. Oh, yeah, that sounds fairly standard, at least for back then. The Japanese development companies they they wanted you to finish the game. Yeah, yeah, they they were very like 
yeah, work for like three months straight with no sleep, you know, drink nothing but coffee and just, <laughs> yeah. It, it, the nap pods. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine working on a game like that mm-hmm. where you're just so absorbed. You, you you forget what time of day, when you slept last. And that's the kind of thing that you could say at the end of the day, my blood and sweat is in that game. Like I've, I've put all my energy in that and that's why it's become with one of the greatest games of all time we see a lot of effort into it right um so after this we went to um metroid fusion was that the next one i think it might have been you mean that actually released right i think that was yeah that was metroid 4 yeah i mean it is i think it is canon wise i think canon wise is still technically the furthest like the last game in the series. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember starting up the Game Boy Advance version, it does say Metroid 4 on there right before the little cinematic sequence of Samus like going on a ship somewhere. Right, that's right. Um, so being the case that it borrowed a lot of elements and made it much more improved in Metroid Fusion, uh, after that, I I think it was just uh, Metroid Zero Mission. Yeah, and that's, Zero Mission. That's the last one of 2D, really, except... The remake of Samus, or of uh, the remake of Metroid Two, was still side-scrolling, but in mm-hmm. a 3D form, so 2.5, right? Yeah, um, and then also uh, the one on the Wii. That oh, people, uh, other M. That Metroid people hate. M. I I enjoyed it. I had some frustration with that game. There are certain moments, like having to use, I think, the Wii Mote, whatever, and just like, eh. there there was definitely things that were hard to deal with. But I, and also the story, like I didn't I didn't mind all the story, in it, but that's just. That's just me. Yeah, I like story in games. I mean, it depends on my mood. You know, they say, if I, oh, she she's weak. They made her weak or something. I think it's the main complaint and, um, in that and, game. Um, it's called Other M, right? Yes. Metroid Other M. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear not so good things about it, but the little that I've played, I, I liked it. I just never dove into it again. But um, yeah, a lot I think that, they're all good games, yeah. no matter what. Um, I, think, I think they still have a great um, story arc between all of them, and mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that they haven't at least attempted to make a movie out of it. Yeah. They may still, you know, with current movies that are being made in video game fashion, then maybe they'll make it. I think there's been rumors. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I haven't heard anything lately. That'd be a giant movie to have to do though. <laughs> I would <laughs> with think all the different aliens be... and the CGI to have her be able to do all the things that she, that yeah. they would do and putting Ridley in there and all, oh man, that'd be insane. And you'd have to, again, go expansive because you'd be covering some levels i would imagine that are from the game with those themes and settings but who knows if they could cover all of them you know because there's so many rooms that would be insane yeah that would be look so good (laughs) yeah there's a lot of potential there and i think that hollywood uh, we've discussed this many times but i think hollywood would be dumb to pass up something like that because it while it may not make sense money wise i think a lot is to be said with what now has become the marvel universe cinematic universe and um dc dc a little bit too but you know there i think a lot of that they didn't really count on initially when making the first couple movies and then as we saw right. hey it's bringing in a lot more money than you imagine <laughs> so i think the fan base for this is just not as well known because a lot of us gamers are are happy with their games we play them we talk about it within a, a community of gamers and that's where it goes we, we don't really take it elsewhere we don't you know unless we go to places like comic con or you know e3 then you start relating to people in that community and you know it i think i think it's very strong community i think we could you know we we can make it happen people we can make it happen are you suggesting a nintendo cinematic universe yeah where mario and samus and link 
all exist in the same uh, universe. They actually are. Imagine this. We have a Super Mario movie coming out. That's what they said. They rumored it as... Uh, or Is not Lou rumored, Albino coming back? No, not oh. Lou Albino. It's CG. <laughs> so it's I, that's what they've said. I think that it is official, but it's not for like three more years or something like that. But imagine they do the movie, and at the end of the movie, right after you know the credits, somewhere post-credit scene, Mario walks in. He goes into his room after a long day of so doing whatever he's me. doing. Killing, sees killing on Goombas. the couch watching his TV, Sonic the Hedgehog laying out and saying, Sup? That's Sega Boom. Cinematic Universe. Though. I know, but what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of build up to uh, Avengers. Hey, what's to say they won't build it up to Smash Brothers? Huh. And then we'll have you know Smash Brothers, and then we'll have Jim Carrey in the Nintendo Cinematic <laughs> Universe and Sega Universe. And uh, I just think that there's a lot of potential for it, and I'll, I'll leave it at that, and hopefully Hollywood listens to us. Yeah, we, we've covered that in a, in a previous live show of all the different movies and stuff going on, our ideas for it. I mean, come on, Mario Kart as a movie. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> um, guess what time it is? Tool time? It's time to review oh. the game. Oh, tell me more, Daddy. Here at Retro Game Night, we have come up with the very best, the best way to rate a game in terms of replay value and overall interest of the game. We have first showcase it, which means you love it and you adore it, and you want to show everyone what it's about. One and done, which means you liked the time you had with it, but I don't think I'm going to go for it again. Or flush it equals toilet paper. So I'm going to have to flush and hush it. It was uh, crud. And uh, <laughs> no. Is that uh, your official answer? <laughs> no, it is. Um, it's a showcase uh, game. I, from I mean, to this day, it's one of my favorite games. Um, certain games stand out more than others. Even when there's like, you know, there's like good games and there's great games, you know. And this is one of those games throughout my childhood and adulthood that it just really stands out. It's just really refined, um, really well done. A lot of memories, um, great music, great graphics, great gameplay. What else can I say? Yeah, there's not much else you can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm also going to have to agree with that and be a showcase. There's so much there. I remember... Even though I didn't really play it all that much when I was a little kid, I remember always going back to it, always going for it again. I even remember in high school, one of my teachers allowed me to put an SNES emulator on there and I actually was playing the game in my classroom, (laughs) in the classroom and just having fun with it still. And people kept trying to screw with me and delete my save file, but I always kept a backup of it because I didn't want (laughs) to. But uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a showcase for sure. It's it's one of those ones. It's an iconic game that actually makes gaming history, uh, keeping keeping a form of the different powers going through the through time and how things diff- developed and how it made such a impact on the different consoles that it was on that even through GameCube and the Wii and it's on the virtual console, even on the, the new 3DS, it's still out there for people to get in different forms that they're it's just one of those ones that you always need to need to get i always feel like i need to buy it in a different version just to be able to constantly have it with me I'm disappointed that it's not on the on the switch yet but yet i can still put it on my 3ds and all that so it's one of those ones where i always want to be able to get it and be able to play it again even though i didn't have it before i'm addicted to it now yeah i'm gonna agree with it i'm gonna say showcase it and i think that it that in itself what you said is you, you took a lot of what I was going to say, which is great because no, that, that's good because <laughs> it's a unanimous decision. I think that that game has a lot of replay value, 
I would like to buy different versions of it and have it either portable or not portable, but I just want every version I can get a hold of. Um, it's one that I would brag about when I finish it. Guess what I just finished because it took me this long versus how long it took before. Uh, I would recommend this to all my friends, anyone that hasn't played it. I would literally, you know, fall forward and backwards trying to get this game to them because you have to play it. It's amazing. It will change your life just a little bit. <laughs> you got to try it at least once. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said with the music. There's a lot to be said with the, the type of graphics even today how it looks it still doesn't look dated it looks fantastic i mm -hmm. mean we see retro style ish games being made today that look in the same exact fashion uh as super metroid so i think that the story was solid the gameplay the i mean you name it um like ben said there's what more can i say so if you don't have it play it and you're listening to the podcast trust us you will not be disappointed if you don't have one of those mini snes classics go get one and play it on there yeah if you if you want the original cartridge i i want to say it's almost close to the price of what you could get the snes classic for so you might as well get you know the high definition version in the sense that you could plug it in hdmi and right. you know you'll have not just the, the save in the game uh, but also safe state so mm -hmm. i would recommend that makes it a lot easier to have to do a save state than having to keep going back to a save room <laughs> <laughs> yes yes absolutely before we wrap it up i want to let everyone know our next date for our live show come check us out it will be august 19th uh and we will be at five threads brewery in westlake village california um you should be able to find it i don't have the address with me now but if you do a quick google search you'll find it we will be talking this time about game boy did you guys know it's the 30th anniversary of Game Boy? What? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we're going to be talking all things Game Boy as far as uh, the console, the games, what we thought of the console uh, or handheld console, um, it's console back in the day. So It's very consoling. Come come check us out. Uh, check out some of the brews and uh, talk some uh, Game Boy with us. And that's going to be going about the original all the way to the newer stuff. Yeah, we're going to be covering... Um, pretty much all Game Boy. So I want to be able to talk about and share memories and uh, then we can open up to the audience and get some memories uh, to kind of just talk about it and we'll hand out uh, coupons. Does that include the Virtual Boy? Maybe we won't talk about that one too much. <laughs> <laughs> we don't hey, talk about that Why one. not? Give it a shot. We'll talk about uh, it. I'm sure I'm, there's going to be a lot of opinions. All I know yeah. is I am, I am seeing red just yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well that's gonna wrap things up for us guys uh thanks for joining us you can find us on instagram at retro underscore game night our website which is www.retrogamenightpodcast.com where you can find all of our info about our upcoming shows and more about the podcast and different formats you can find it in until next time everybody rinse and repeat I gotta pee. Good night, everybody. Not in this game. Nothing's this game. In a previous game. In a previous game. In a previous game. In a previous game. The first game, not the third game.